Trash Undercast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and they apply film studies type analysis to, to films that you'll never see in a film studies course. This week's film is The Devil's Rejects, a World War II period piece in which a small group of commandos takes on Nazi Germany. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. Eight Jewish American soldiers. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. What? No? (laughs) Very accurate. Oh, my God. That was perfect. Not actually, but we will um, get into spoilers and spoilerificness and all that stuff in just a few moments, but before we get into the descriptions of what we do on the show and how we do it, we must tell you who does it, and those are the people who are around this table. Name yourself to my right, sir, if you would. I am Arthur Gordon, and if you ever say another derogatory word about Elvis Aaron Presley, my presence again, I'll kick the living crap out of you. Moving right along, across the table from me, young lady, if you would. My name is Alexander Bohannon, and we regret to inform you that the show Banjo and Sullivan will be canceled tonight. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Directly across the table, catty corner, I guess I should say, if you would, sir. My name is Dalton Stewart, and Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees, (laughs) look at these. I'm so glad that I didn't do that one. Perfect. Outstanding. And I'm going to keep it innocent. My name is Dustin Sells, and anybody want to go for ice cream? Tootie fucking fruity. Tootie fucking fruity. I knew you guys would take it somewhere else. There you go. Dear listener, you know who we are around the table. Now, we need to warn you, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. So there will be spoilers, and we will find out if Hitler does indeed get his due from the Devil's Rejects at the end of the film. But that will be... I would watch that movie. Wouldn't that be a good movie? Dad, watch that movie. I watch that movie real hard. <laughs> it's the next Quentin Tarantino film. That's right. Yeah, uh, it's streaming. Yeah. It is streaming. But what we are going to do is our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews after a quick synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. Before we get into that quick synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, we do want to give a shout out to 
the Rolling Beatles one two three username from some Google media. Plus. Google Plus. There you go. Uh, who uh, requested this? We pay attention, dear listener. It's Sequel Palooza. This is the last sequel of this particular marathon. And uh, thanks for the suggestion, Rolling Beatles one two three. I listen to that band. I would too. And uh, so uh, we're going to move on though now with a quick synopsis from the voice of the cinema. If you would please, sir. The murderous backwoods firefly family take the road to escape a vengeful police force, which is not afraid of being as ruthless as their target. Thank you very much, voice of the cinema. I think that's an accurate description of what's going on. Those things happen. Well, let's move to our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Again, dear listener, we're avoiding spoilers for this section, and then spoiler territory. And then we find out what those soldiers had to do when they were alone, stranded on that mountain. But that comes <laughs> much later. Was I it be- a Brokeback Mountain? It was a I was, mountain. I just imagine them eating each other, but... I was going with cannibalism, but nah, Arthur went somewhere Arthur else. went a special place. Sometimes, you know... I haven't gone as far as Dalton has tonight, though, so... This is correct. <laughs> no one will go as far as me tonight. Dear listener... That's a promise, listener. And thank the maker for outtakes. And none of us have... ...yet, so... All of you... You are... This show. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. I begin with you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Most likely to... ...anything nice. Um... <laughs> well, I want to start by uh, saying somehow I this is the second time we've talked about a Rob Zombie joint on this show, um, and as with Lords of Salem, it bears mentioning that Rob Zombie really likes his wife. Well, one particular lot. aspect aspect of his wife. <laughs> um, well, she has certain assets that she brings to the production. I think. I think she's a really talented actress. Actually, I do. Also no, I agree. she has a great bum. And wants everyone else to know about it. Her what? I, her, her butt. Is it? Oh, okay. I didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> see, we were discussing off mic before you got here. It's essentially that if you KD in a Thunder basketball game, you're not going to him. You're going to him on the and he's going to show what he's got. Mm-hmm. So, there you, you go. You put Sherry Moon Zombie on the screen, you're going to show what she's got is what you're saying. That's probably what's going to happen. Not that I condone or think this is good behavior for femininity. Um, Brian Posehn shows up. That was fun. Yeah. Wasn't that, that was, fun? That was yeah. fun. Wasn't that a lot of fun? Um, the soundtrack is bitchin'. Right? Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. Um, it's shot 70s style, which I think is the best way to shoot a horror movie. Um, it's a little more winky than a straight, you know, 70s redux. Totally. Uh, all, um, The House of the Devil, something like that, which is a little bit more just... Uh, straight copying stylistically from the 70s. I think this is a little more winkingly yeah. cribbing from yeah. the 70s. Uh, but still, you know, I appreciate um, the shooting techniques, you know. Otherwise, I don't really know. There's, I like things about this movie. I think I would be hard-pressed to say I like this movie, though. Yeah. Um, I like House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, at least I did, you know, when I saw it six, seven years ago. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. 
Um, I like other Rob Zombie films, though. You know, I really enjoyed Lords of Salem uh, when we watched that for this show last October. I gotta say, guys, I wasn't real wild about The Devil's Rejects. I'm sorry to let you down, Dustin. Um, there, like I said, there's things I like about it. I think the costuming is really good. Um, I like that there's no fooling around uh, about the status quo uh, of these characters. We're, we're made to know very early on that we're supposed to hate literally everybody in this movie. Um, which, although, I gotta say, when the sheriff said, this is what my brother used to call 100% Alabama ass-kicking, I was like, <laughs> I'm on this guy's side. Uh, and then he got weird. For a second, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For about ten minutes, I was on his side. And then, you know, we're made to realize pretty early on that everybody in this movie is a big old piece of shit. Uh, it's kind of like Raging Bull in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard to care about anybody, because you're like, oh, God. I don't like any of you people. Yeah, I was like, I hate all of you. I'm, you're all awful. Um, and again, it, it kind of jerks us around like that. I mean, the sheriff is, is very funny and amusing. Um, Spalding and Otis and Baby are all kind of funny in their own way. Um, and then, you know, we're forced to see them do some really heinous, repugnant shit. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't really have much of an opinion about it, I guess. I get kind of bored about two-thirds of the way through. I, and it's not the movie I was expecting for some reason. Uh, well, you're expecting something like House of a Thousand Corpses. I guess I was expecting a, a western, honestly, um, just based on everything I've heard about it. Because um, I've heard it is yeah. kind of a stylistic departure yeah. from House of a Thousand Corpses. I guess I was expecting more shootouts or something. I don't... Because every image of it is the three of them walking around with guns. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I, yeah, I don't really know what I was expecting. Uh, I guess it wasn't this movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Uh, this is one of those tough movies. I, I, I kind of echo Dalton. I really like the visual aesthetic that we got going here, and technically I think it's super solid mm-hmm. as a film. I love the look and the feel. <clears throat> the grainy film, the homage to the 70s. I think it just works really well for this film. That said, it's extremely hard to watch. Uh, it's uncomfortable, especially that first act uh, in the ho- in the motel. And it becomes a little smoother after that. It becomes a little more easy to watch, I guess. But that, that first act is just brutal. And it's a chore to get through. Uh, the biggest thing for me, uh, looking at this, this cribs quite a bit from Texas Chainsaw early mm-hmm. on. Absolutely. Oh, totally. And uh, <clears throat> looking at that, what Toe Cooper did there, it's Chainsaw is brutal and it is it's disgusting and it's unrelenting, uh, but we never see a thing. It's all implied. Mm-hmm. And I think Rejects could have done the same thing, but you know, Zombie opted to uh, show instead of imply, which I think generates the wrong kind of effect. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I, I think it is super solid from a technical, aesthetic, directorial standpoint. Uh, I think it's you know well made, well shot. I just I don't think I could watch it again. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, Arthur. Had you seen it before? I have not. I didn't think so. Dustin, you're the only one that had seen this previously. Correct? I had seen it before. Okay, and I would give it 16 Groucho Marx inspired aliases out of 21. Excellent, excellent. I like that very much. That's. I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I I'd give Devil's Rejects probably five. Husband's skin masks out of a possible 23. There you go. Well, Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you? This movie, if if I have to compare the two zombie flicks I've seen, because I've not seen um, House of a Thousand Corpses, which might be... I don't know. Arthur, did you see House of a Thousand Corpses? I don't think I have. I may have a long time ago, but I don't remember it. Okay. If I did. Well, it, it might have a different perspective for those who have seen House, because oh, you're going to be... I've seen The Haunted World of El Super Bisto. Forget about that. That's right. I have seen that. That's, That's fun. fun. Oh, okay. That's a lot of fun. It's dumb. Yeah, but it's, it's real. Fun. It's very dumb. 
It's funny. Right. Um, out of the Lords of Salem in this movie, I'd pick the Lords of Salem um, probably every time, and that that was me not liking Lords of Salem. Um, I think he likes Lords of Salem. Well, I like it in the way that, like... She likes to think about it. She doesn't like to watch it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, this movie, that movie, I like to think about it, and it would be interesting to revisit, especially with the analysis we had in mind um, going back. But this movie, I feel like, was almost like a... Oh, a, um, at least an hour to 45, not maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes of it were a complete waste of time. And I hate feeling like that during a movie. No, absolutely. Um, There's a lot of weird digressions that it's just like yeah, the, 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 the Groucho Marx expert that comes in is kind hilarious. of a character, but it's like, what is the point of this? And then the chicken guy. But yeah, no, I totally agree, Alex. It's just yeah. Like, it's uh, scene after scene of why the fuck are we doing this? Right. And that's kind of how I felt. I felt like there was. I mean, to reiterate, the technical aspects of it are really good. Um, the shooting and the 70s feel are pretty... I think they're pretty apt for this... Um, this To be the vehicle for the story they're telling. But at the same time, I just had some really troubling issues regarding tonality. Um, going back and forth from um, some more lighthearted mitts to some like the, the hard-hitting, scariest parts and, you know gonna scrape her brains off the pavement you know that kind of stuff it's just there's some levity that i thought was misplaced mm -hmm. and then um i don't know it just some of the tonal stuff just really didn't sit right with me very jarring yeah very uh, jarring it kind of was like hitting the brakes too hard and slamming you and all the kids in the backseat forward um it i don't know just it's not my thing there were some scenes that were so hard for me to watch i had to fast forward through them like the the gun scene with the yeah woman. i'm gonna talk about that more later that was yeah rough. i've got some real problems with that scene yeah uh, i don't want to talk about it a little bit later yeah and um just there was some other scenes i'm like i know what's gonna happen and and watching it is just gonna make me very i think that's gross a, inside actually i think that's a really good point yeah so it was uh, a nice try but i obviously zombie was still i'm not sure if that movie you referenced earlier was before or after this film but um, um it goes thousand corpses devil's rejects halloween remake halloween remake sequel I think Super Beastos in between those two. Super Beastos an animated movie. So yeah, it's a different thing. I think it's oh, in okay. between the Halloween well, picks. He's still trying. He's still warming up, and I think that in terms of what um, Lords did, you know, taking the seventies tone but not making it seventies, I thought that was a great choice. Yeah. Comparing it to like him actually trying to set it in the seventies and seeing how it, some parts of it didn't really work, despite it being um, an apt thing to shoot a western in maybe not a horror in i don't know so um i'm gonna rate this about four and a half um prostitute fun towns out of possible <laughs> 16.75 uh one of the hookers by the way was tommy pickles i don't know if anybody else picked up on that it was eg daily the no. voice of tommy pickles that was Kidding. yeah it made me so happy she's got a couple of really funny lines that i was laughing very hard at wow. mostly because it was Tommy Pickles. Angelica, how come your daddy doesn't like that other daddy's shoes? Well, <laughs> Dustin, um, I'm curious what you think. I'm, I feel like you might be a little bit more positive, but I don't know. 
What do you think, bud? I I don't know. Okay, so uh, again, 70s aesthetic, you know, the choice to shoot this on 16 mil instead of 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, same sort of size stock that they shot Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yep. Last House on the Left, and and those sort of great 70s exploitation films. It is a good choice. I, he has gone to school with those movies and uh, knows how to make that sort of brutal, sort of angry kind of picture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of what's happened with, um, you know, contemporary horror you know, really kind of plays up, uh, you know, sort of the visual pleasures of watching horror, to be afraid, to be scared, uh, to, you know, that, that whole tingly feeling up one spine, to have uh, nudity for, for the sake of titillation. And it, it, interestingly to me, it, he, he just says, no, what I want to do is, is make a movie that's like a golf shoe in the face. And and and, that, and that's really what this is. And so there there is you know aesthetically there's an extent to which I appreciate that. Uh, you know again parts seem overlong. Uh, you know and not in just sort of that torturous sort of sense. You know mm-hmm. there's that overlong rape scene in Irreversible that's eight and a half minutes and it's a single take and it's mm-hmm. it's awful and it's terrible to watch. But that's because you know you're trying the, the the director Gaspar Noé is trying to torture you. This is not so much that it's just it just takes too long. He just. Fiddles. It's the wrong kind of too long. Yeah. 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 And so that's troubling to me. Also, it seems to me this film is as good as it is, partially because Zombie, I'm not convinced he wanted to make this movie. Uh, I, I, I think he had funding to make this movie and mm-hmm. he thought well fine I'll make this movie but I'll do something a little bit different than House of a Thousand Corpses and what I'm going to do is I'm going to make all my favorite movies and so we have you know Han and Lando acting like they don't like each other and then Lando betraying Han uh, we have exactly that sort of you know uh, set piece we have we have uh, we have the moment where, where Sheriff Wydell is doing the you talking to me bit yeah. in the mirror oh yeah he's, he's doing Travis Bickle yeah he's absolutely doing Travis Bickle and, and the movie is nothing but these moments. It is nothing but sort of these cribbed bits from great movies from the you know the mid to late seventies into the mid to late eighties. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is sort of well tread ground. And if you know to pay attention, and I think you're supposed you know it absolutely high hands you're supposed to pay attention with the whole Groucho Marx thing. And uh, mm-hmm. so yes, pay attention. It's about the movie references. This is the stuff I love. This is the stuff I grew up with. Not so much the '30s horror, but more the '70s exploitation. Which horror. there's a little bit more of that in um, House of Thousand Corpses. A little bit more marrying of that '70s caustic, assaultive horror and that '30s uh, kind of awe-inspiring horror. Yeah, and there's lots of it in El Superbisto too. Yeah, lots of the '30s in, in that as well. Oh yeah, so, kind of very lovingly sent up and lampooned. Yeah, right. Which which is fine. Um, but but as a result though, because it is the references are so sort of on their nose, and then you go, well, I mean, this is what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. They do a Han and Lando bit, and then Lando betrays him. You go, yeah, but Return of the Jedi is coming, and what happens? He shows up to save the day, right? I mean, it, it, it's you know exactly all those things, and I go, well, you know, it's just. It, it makes it less fun because, uh, I, like you said, I sort of know what's happening, uh, especially when you start paying attention to it. And so, as a result, I do find that, um, again, my, my overall feeling is not a bad script, not a bad story, not a bad aesthetic style, nothing really is terrible about it. I feel like we're watching a movie with a bored director. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that comes across really I, I pretty like, obvious. I feel like he's bored. I feel it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, again, it opens up with all the Texas Chainsaw stuff. It's just it, Freddy Krueger. I mean, for crying out loud, burned up face guy goes back in the fire at the end of it. You know? Yeah, I, mean, I know. A, you know, in a stripy sweater. It's, 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 it's all that stuff. 
Uh, and he goes, yeah, okay, let me just cram all the things I love in one thing, and that'll be fun to make these bits that I love. He's excited about the bits, but he's not excited about the whole. So That's why it feels like a, a bunch of interconnected shorts yeah, to, this, to this point where they use those like screen-like wipey transitions mm-hmm. that make it feel mm-hmm. like you're in like a clip show or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is a disjointed-ass mess, for sure. So, you know, as a result, I'm going to give it a rating of, I don't know, 16 and 3 thirds scary clown sex scenes out of a possible 24. Well, let's move right along for this gets crazy. <laughs> Dear listener, we have tried to avoid spoilers, but frankly, we've not done a very good job. We've probably done as poor a job as we've ever done, but we're going to Because really... we don't really care, I guess. Zombie didn't either. And I don't think you do either. But we're going to get into crazy town spoiler territory, because now, dear listener, it's time to bring some analysis. I begin with you, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What say you? So I just wanted to talk to you today about um, how how keen the emotional manipulation of this this film is in terms of um, in terms of how you can be completely emotionally invested in the sheriff bringing them to justice after they've done all these heinous acts. And whenever it does this about face, you're kind of left out to dry. Kind of like a De- Dexter type phenomenon. If you guys guys mm-hmm. watch the show, um, I know Dexter. Dexter Dexter brings the guys to justice. The bad guys, the serial killers, the ones they can't get. But you also have to keep in mind that Dexter is a serial killer, and he's the one he's killing them. And and so you get to this point whenever you watch uh, Sheriff who brings the the family, the Firefly family, to justice. Yeah, Sheriff and, Wydell, I was going to say, Sheriff Wydell look, makes Dexter Morgan look like Captain America. I, yo, I know. Like, it's <laughs> never sterile. Bit. He staple guns pictures oh. of their victims to their yeah, chest. He, he Jesus nails their hands to their chairs. Um, he, he is brutal. And then he does that whole last girl trope, which, you know, pretty obvious where that comes from. Um, but I just, I just wanted to talk to a second about how how it requires some deep introspection to feel um, to feel like you are not rooting for him when he does these things. Because I found myself in a very troublesome spot where I'm like, oh, wow, um, so these guys have done some really awful things and we've seen them throughout the movie and they've built up to this point. And th- he's going to town on killing them and torturing them just how he they tortured their victims. And he was very explicit about doing so. Very vengeful type of killing um, that he found just. And, and I found it troubling to, for myself to not be on his side. To feel like, oh, I hope he... Me thinking, oh, I hope he gets them all. That, that's really bad. And I think that's one thing that Zombie is trying to bring up to us. You know, to say that, listen, just... Just because people and individuals have made made heinous, awful decisions and killed so many people, you have to think about, is giving them the same kind of retribution right? And Mm -hmm. I think he's saying it isn't. It isn't right. The sort of myth of redemptive violence. Right. You know, an eye for for an eye makes the whole world blind is kind of the the message and the biggest takeaway that I'm getting out of this. Um, And that's kind of, I mean... That's kind of all that I brought to the table today is just how there is this myth of redemptive violence, it, and it's present in our criminal justice system, and it's and it's present um, throughout our society, and, and it's really troubling to think about, um, you know, how we can tell ourselves that hey, it's okay, 
you know, it's okay whenever you whenever you execute someone, it says on their death certificate homicide. That that always chills me mm-hmm. um, to my core. Um, and I think while zombie is making it um, an extreme case in both measures, you know, I don't. He's the heinous people are twice as heinous, and the retribution is twice as heinous as well. I think that he's trying to say we need to pay attention and don't let yourself get wrapped up in this this conception of what Sheriff Wydell is doing is right and what people killing in the sake of well he killed so and so is right. Yeah, well, he definitely shows that sort of you know self-proclaimed hand of God, how corrupt that is. Yeah, and I and I think that is the, the part of the intentional point, right? And you know, it just by mirroring everything to close to everything that these the Firefly family did to their victims. I mean, and whenever you watch those scenes and you're like, yeah, get them. That's that's the reaction mm-hmm. that you need to be thinking about that you're having. It's like, whoa, I need to take a step back for myself and think about why I'm feeling this way because it this shouldn't be feeling I mean she was baby was just as scared as all of baby's victims were you know and how terrified and how vulnerable she was and how yes she was still a human and probably mentally deranged to the her utter core but yeah still a human and there has to be something to said about her life and who she is as a person there you go. Well, thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you in terms of analysis? Last week, during Fired Up, I talked a little bit about rape in film uh, and television and, and the treatment or presentation of sexual assault in art um, and, and said that, you know, it is not an inherently incorrect thing. Um, I mean, we did an entire show about a film about sexual assault compliance. Uh that is a really just a fantastic film. It's very well made. Uh, speaks to some very deep issues, um, and I think is a very powerful film. Um, this is a film that features a sexual assault and is completely fucking pointless, and serves only to titillate and to shock and to horrify. And it does that. It is mm-hmm. very upsetting. It is very shocking. It's very icky. And then it's over. And then Otis is back to making you know dick jokes, um, and that's not okay. I've got some very... And I think that was about the point where I kind of checked out of this movie, to be perfectly honest. Um, I liked the first ten minutes pretty well. I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Um, and I had started to get bored before this happened. Uh, but Ryan Posehn showed up, and I was like, okay, I kind of had renewed interest with these characters that we had just been introduced to. And then that happens. Uh, and again, what happens if you didn't bother to watch the movie, listener? Um, Otis and Captain Spaulding and Baby have hold up this family. Uh, actually, at this point, it's just Otis and Baby um, have, you know, <clears throat> room invaded this band who, who is on the road, um, and Otis sexually assaults the uh, wife of the, the front man of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's forced to watch. Yeah, while well, the, in front of everyone. Yeah. Um, and it's fairly graphic. Um, I mean, it's about as graphic as something in an, as a sexual assault in an R-rated movie that was made in the United States, you would expect it to be. Um, Although we were watching the unrated director's cut. That's true. Um, oh, on the, Netflix? Yeah, yeah, that's what Netflix has. Gross. So that is that is true. That and is, I don't know the difference. I, I don't know. I've either. only seen that version. That, that Maybe bears, there's no balls in the unrated <laughs> director's cut. That bears mention. One can only hope. <clears throat> Last week, what I discussed when talking about Game of Thrones is that, and Alex and I talked about this a little bit, is if you're going to present a rape, 
in a work of fiction. It better serves some purpose other than to shock and titillate. And the problem with rape in this film, or really with any horror film, is that it is its only purpose, is to shock, is to send shivers up your spine, as Dustin said. Uh, Oh, God, I'm sorry. I just got so disgusted about... I just have this vision of a bunch of corporate suit businessmen making the next horror movie extravaganza, and they're thinking about how, oh, man, this is going to make the females in the audience really, really upset, is how we can just rape the horror victims on screen. I'm sorry. That just... That got... Oh my god! I people, just cannot. People, people have meetings it. about things. Yeah. Uh, oh. and they, there, there are meetings. There the, are meetings. This is a probably mostly independent. I mean, yeah. This production. this is not a good. Rob Zombie is not wearing a business suit. No. Yeah. And no, no, well, that, yeah. And, and I don't think there were a lot of meetings about what he was. No, doing. No, Lionsgate probably pretty well let him do so, whatever he wanted to do. We'll put, we put your name on it. We can sell this. And that yeah. was that was the meeting. That was probably the extent of it. I agree. But you know, um, and it really this seemed to be happening a lot around 2005 uh, I'm thinking about the Hills of Eyes remake um, for some reason, I, that's the only other thing coming to mind, but I feel like if I were to rack my brain a little bit harder um, and I'd done a little bit more research, I could probably throw a few more examples of, you know, the mid-aughts of rape being used in horror films to be shocking, uh, and that's not okay and I don't know why people think that is okay um, I think even you know, rape, revenge, horror films notwithstanding, I think there might be more conversation to be had with that kind of movie. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have an opinion on that right now. Uh, mostly because I've never seen any of them, because I know they would... Honestly, I don't think I'd care much for them. What What is that one? I always remember I the cover. I spit on your grave. Thank you. I remember the cover, because yeah. that she's wearing yeah. that. I spit on oh, your that's grave. the remake, but yeah. Well, both of them the, have That's that. the same poster. Oh, yeah. So basically. It's okay. like, yeah, their butt. <sighs> And I just, I, I want to challenge our listener to the next time they, they, I can't believe I had to talk about this two weeks in a row, honestly. Um, you know, I want to challenge our listener to, you know, take issue, to take umbrage uh, when they when they see this kind of thing. Um, because again, I think even with Game of Thrones, um, I have an opinion about the rape that occurred on Game of Thrones last week. Again, if you listen to our hook episode... I basically said I don't have an opinion right now because I haven't really made up my mind because we don't know what's going to happen with, with this incident. I have an opinion now. Um, I think I, I'm not angry about it. Uh, compliance, another great example. There are polit- girls dragging tattoo. A uh, little less clear cut. That one's a little bit more... Um, that's more on the exploitation side. That's more on the exploitation side. Um, and, and again, I think there are other ways to empower women than for them to, you know... Kill the rapist. Kill the rapist or brutalize, yeah. But again, if we're seeing this on a spectrum, I think this is on the far end of not okay, compliance is on the far end of okay, and girl with a dragon tattoo somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I want to encourage our listener, when they see something that's definitely on the far end of the spectrum of not okay... To confront that, to think about it, to think about why somebody would think this is okay. And the only answer I can come up with is that society's just been using sex as a weapon against women forever, and we just think that that's okay. Because, and again, I don't think Rob Zombie thinks sexual assault is okay. I'm not saying that. Clearly, he is trying to show you that Otis is a bad person. We already knew that, though. The movie opens with, like, stills of, you know... Decayed and brutalized bodies. Well, he's in bed with a naked dead corpse when the thing starts. Exactly. Yeah. We already know he's a weirdo and a bad person and, and, and disgusting just, and just 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 icky, just all over icky. 
why? There's no reason for it. And I, I just find it really it's some fucked up repugnant shit to uh, to crib a line from Jules from Pulp Fiction. It's just not okay. Um, and I really think we should hold our films to a higher standard and we should expect better of them. And again, I think there is a time and a place for rape in popular culture and popular fiction and film and television and at all I think horror is not the place for it because even the best horror which does tell us something more about ourselves thinking films like The Babadook or um, It Follows It Follows thank you Alex yeah I mean two recent examples I think even at, at their best when a horror film is saying something more you better give me a good fucking reason why you're gonna do that um because even again even the best horror films that are really that are still that are showing us something more are still about titillating are still about shocking at the end of the day again that's not really much of an analysis other than me being pissed off but um there you go yeah Yeah. thank you very much for that Mr. Bellsford what I want to say I think may answer part of the why it's there I'm not going to say it's okay because I agree I don't think it is but I do think that as the film begins with Basically, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. The house decorated with all the the, the, the dead animals and things made from dead bodies. The, 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 the same sort of opening of these pictures, right? Uh, when, when Texas Chainsaw Massacre opens, we see these flashes uh, of photographs being taken of this uh, uh, corpse statuary that have been made. Well, oh, I mean, the opening of this film, like even the, the voiceover and stuff, direct homage. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we're, we're starting with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is a film loosely based on the life of Wisconsin serial killer Ed Gein, who may or may not have been a complete cannibal, who may or may not have you know slept with his mother after he dug her up out of the grave, but yes. certainly killed some women and made some furniture out of their skins, lampshades. M- mostly did more grave robbing than murder, but definitely grave killed robbing and women redecorating. Yeah. De- de- definitely killed a couple people. Yeah, and so, you know, bad person, uh, clearly, uh, as far as that whole thing goes. But, you know, Ed Gein was first immortalized uh, in, in, in the film Psycho, which is uh, based, again, loosely on a novel-slash-biography of his life that Alfred Hitchcock adapted. And, you know, we've, we've done bits of the Ed Gein in lots of places uh, yeah. throughout the world in cinema. But it does do this thing where it makes the serial killer sexy. It makes them interesting and attractive. It makes them Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. it, who, again, loosely based on Ed Gein uh, because of cannibalism, of course, far more um, refined and high culture than any Ed Gein ever thought like, about. Ed Gein had, like, an IQ of 80. Right. Um, and, you know, lived in Wisconsin. Right. And, and Lecter's some... Nothing sort of, against the fine people of Wisconsin, but... Uh, yeah. But... Uh, Hannibal Lecter is a, a super genius, a super villain, yeah. you know, uh, from Boston. So there's yeah. a difference there. But he's, he's Lex Luthor if Lex Luthor had more class. Right. Uh, but there are, you know, this sort of analog that goes on there. And and it seems to me this film and its, you know, choice of cribbing all these other films, you know, Travis Bickle's, uh, you know, Massacre at the end of Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. I think is important too because we're tying this into uh, Wydell. And, of course, he is trying to pull, pull off his basic same massacre yeah. at the end of the film, unsuccessfully, of course. Uh, it, it is this idea of the sensa- sensationalization of the killer, of the murderer, of the maniac, and that 
I, I think part of the 70s brutalism that he returns to in this film is to let you see this is awful. When people do this for their quote-unquote holy motivations, it's awful. When people do this for their quote-unquote uh, sort of evil, you know, I'm in the service of the devil, Charles Manson sort of motivations, I was thinking all kinds of shades of Helter Skelter uh, when this little family, you know, unit is mm-hmm. meeting together, uh, that, that it's still awful and it's evil. When this is done for sort of titillating entertainment purposes, and it refers to all these films that do do that, it's still awful. And I think the sadism of the film is to remind the viewer that when we're talking about this sort of stuff, when it happens in the real world, we're talking about terrified, scared, tortured human beings uh, you know, experiencing some of the utmost forms of evil that we ever experience in human society. And I think that use of uh, Sherry Moon Zombie as a final girl at, uh, you know, in, in, in an ending section of the film is to do that because part of the, the, the journey of the final girl is that she escapes, she gets away with it, but it's because she's innocent, because she's not guilty, because she's, she's been Polly Pureheart, Jamie Lee Curtis, up to this point. And so that's why she's going to make it. Of course, Sherry Moon Zombie and, and the rest of the crew are all going to make it out of that house. Uh, because of the intervention of one Freddy Krueger, um, although tiny, mentally, ha- machinima. mentally handicapped <laughs> Freddy Krueger slash, you know, to an extent Leatherface, uh, if you want to come right down to it, <clears throat> and um, and that is again to show it doesn't matter what kind of people we're talking about because what horror film does is it it sort of changes the game of these horrors and part of the pleasures of watching these teenagers being tortured is because they somehow have it coming. He is showing us a scene in which somebody's got it coming and it's awful. You know, baby Firefly deserves to die, I guess you could you could say. Is the argument, yeah. It, it, you know, in the argument of sort of, you know, basic horror mythology. Yeah. And, and as a viewer, though, Rob Zombie is, is kind of brilliant because it makes her sympathetic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the nails go into Otis's hands. I don't want to see uh, Captain Spaulding with a bunch of staple gun staples in his chest. Yeah. When they get away, I'm kind of rooting for them. Even when uh, crazy Lando finally makes his, uh, you know, meets his sticky end, I kind of feel bad for him. And, uh, and and I think this is, a, again, a, sort of a brilliant moment in the film, is that all of these things are horrible. All of these actions are horrible. And by being entertained by them or by becoming bloodthirsty when something horrible happens, I, I think of the Cernai of Trials for the Boston Massacre recently oh, and some yeah. of the vitriol that was all over the interwebs uh, as a result of that. All of those things, you are actually complicit in the same sorts of horrors that you are, by you know nature of your moral position, are suggesting that you oppose. And that moral complication in this film, I find to be really brilliant. I yes. also find the experience of watching the film to be repugnant, to be utterly off-putting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find the film to be one of the worst experiences of my cinematic life. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. But and not in a cool way. Like. Not a cool way. Uh, and, and Zombie's point is, if you wish to torture human beings, whether they are terror suspects, former serial killers, 
whether they are the innocent slash semi-innocent teenagers in a film. If you are a person who takes glee in this, you are no different from the monsters that you demonize. And that, I think, is brilliant. And I think that is valuable. And again, I would there are parts of this film that I'm really engaged with. Um, when we realize what Sheriff Wydell is, I'm like, I, I was like, okay, this is a much more interesting movie than I thought it was. Again, I think we could have done it without without that scene. I really think this movie could stand on its own two legs a lot stronger without that scene. There's a few movies um, in my world that I would like to stick into Final Cut Mm -hmm. and just make my own fan cut. Mm -hmm. This is sort of one of them. Well, let's move on, guys. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to the part of the show where we make a verdict. We say shelf or trash, else or instead. Let's do this first with (laughs) Mr. Arthur Gordon. I... Yeah, I'd say sh- stream it if you're into this kind of thing. If this is maybe your wheelhouse, otherwise, I say you just pass on it. Um, I do enjoy things about it, like I said earlier, aesthetic and direction, things like that. But overall, I think it's it's you're not going to miss anything if you don't watch this film. Uh, instead, I think you should watch the films it's creeping from Texas Chainsaw. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's came up. Bonnie and Clyde was mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yeah. uh, pairs well here, and I'd even say Thumb and Louise uh, works here. Uh, just based off how they both end. I'd rather have watched all of this. <laughs> and so I say check those out and, and go along with something like that to if you want yeah, if you're looking for this type of experience but a better film, those would probably do you in. Outstanding, I like that very much. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you show for trash and then your else's are insteads. Eh, uh, I mean, yeah. It seems kinda of like a cop out. Trashing it sounds a little harsh because as we discussed, there are things t- in this movie and it's and it's different. It's not just your average run of the mill horror mill movie. Like someone tried to make an interesting movie. I don't know if they were successful all the way in producing a, a good movie. But there was definitely a valiant a valiant effort, and um, the sexual stuff is really problematic. So stream it if you're into it. But I'm just gonna pitch it in the trash personally. But if you like this kind of stuff, if you like zombie, you like exploitation horror. Have at it. And I don't really have any recommendations because probably what you guys recommend as horror movie and 70s movie buffs is way better than what I could pull out of my brain. So, All right. Well, thank you very much, Ms. Bohan. And Mr. Dalton Stewart, shelf or trash, else or instead? Well, I like horror and exploitation, and I say fuck off. This movie can live in the trash. I, no, nobody needs, nobody needs this movie in their life. There are better films. There are better films that do everything this movie does, including some made by Rob Zombie. House of Thousand Corpses is better. Lord Salem is better. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is better. There are better movies. Um, the only one that hasn't been mentioned that I'd like to give a nod of the hat to is a similarly mess, a similarly messy film, and that's Natural Born Killers, uh, mm-hmm. which I think bears watching for historical reasons. I think in terms of the it's career. a far superior movie. Oh, far superior! It's that that movie. But that's a good pair. That movie is still a clusterfuck, though. Um, but in terms of, you know, the career of Oliver Stone, the career of Quentin Tarantino, the career of Woody Harrelson and all the other, and Julie, uh, Juliette Lewis and all the other actors involved, um, I think it's really valuable for that. So you should definitely watch, I think it does all the things about, that this film does a little bit better. Um, obviously, it's it's got all those really kind of interesting stylistic flourishes. Obviously, in uh, Natural Born Killers is kind of piling them on a little bit uh, thicker than... Um, Devil's Rejects is, uh, 
you know, what with the animation and the the sitcom sequence, all that stuff. But it, it, it you know, has all these interesting stylistic flourishes similarly to Devil's Rejects, but also has a conversation about how uh, we glamorize violent people and how we glamorize serial killers. Again, it's very ham-fisted with its message, but I still think it's a very interesting film. I mean, it, it's a total mess. Uh, I really I, I don't love Natural Born Killers, but I think it's a very interesting movie. And I think it's far more valuable um, than this film. Well played. Thank you very much, Mr. Dollar What I would say is I think the movie's worth seeing. I, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of like Irreversible. It's, it's, it's worth seeing once. Because I do think it's interesting, uh, it, it, but it's only worth seeing for like a very specific crowd. Yes. Yes. Zombie fans, horror fans, uh, horror exploitation film fans, those sort of things. So, uh, but as far as, if we're, if we're only going to say shelf or trash, as in I'm going to buy this or I'm going to dump it, then I will, I will take the horns of that dilemma seriously and I will say trash. Yeah, and say no, you don't. You don't need to. You don't need to own this. It happens to be on the flicks of nets. So yeah, if if possible, if 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 anything we say has uh, tickled your particular fancy, then go right ahead. Um, but if not, you know, keep on moving on. What else did you watch? The Empire Strikes Back. You should watch Taxi Driver, and then you should probably watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre just to get through it and see sort of what's going on uh, with all of that. And uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, just. Take a look at anything else from the city. Selling the lease. I mean, good times. It's things we've mentioned already. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think there's other stuff going on. And Dalton's talked about compliance a handful of times now. And I think there's something interesting there about yeah. media and assault and violence that I think pairs well with what's going on with Devil's Rejects. And would be probably a more thoughtful time than Devil's Rejects is itself. Yeah. So it's a good replacement as well. Yeah. And uh, one last recommendation. It's not necessarily a movie or anything like that, but it's actually an article. It's published on The Atlantic in their June issue, and it's called The Cruel and Unusual Execution of Clayton Lockett, and it's an expose about um, how back in 2014 there was a botched execution in Oklahoma. It's very famous, Mm. Um, and it goes really in-depth about uh, what all happens, and um, I feel like it it might manipulate you emotionally, but so does Devil's uh, Rejects quite a bit. (laughs) Um, But it also has a lot of a lot of things behind it that are similar in tone and theme about um, who is the true who is the true villain um, stuff about state uh, sponsored ex- executions that I think is should be um, valuable and re- put to a wider audience and so that should be in the show notes um, for for your reading pleasure. It's definitely not a walk in a park to read that one either. So. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, let's move on and ask the dear listener to give us some feedback. Dear listener, this is part of your requests, Mr. The Rolling Beatles, one, two, three. So we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear from the rest of you guys. What do you think about us even doing this show and talking about this particular uh, film? Is it worth our time, worth your time? What do you think about all that? What do you think about our analysis? What do you think about what we said or what we didn't say? Uh, and when you do that via that magical means that we all know as social media. Mr. Arthur Gordon. Do you know anything about that social media? Uh, certainly. You can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Genre Cast, one word. Uh, in regards to our cinematic happy moments, Clayton Trammell says uh, he mentions Squints and Wendy Peppercorn uh, of Goonies fame, I believe. No, or bro. Sandlot. That's from Sandlot. Sandlot. Okay. Sandlot. And yes, great pick. Hey, that was a magic moment. Squints, Squints. Come on, Squints, come on. Wake up. Come on, Squint, you can do it! Pull through, bud! 
A vaguely assaultive moment that's not nearly as upsetting as anything <laughs> in The Devil's Rejects. Um, There's an innocence to that, I think. Yeah. Um, great pick. Really, most of The Sandlot is a cinematic happy yeah, moment. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's what we have coming in from the Facebook, so you know we enjoy that kind of stuff. Also, you can find us on Google+. Plus. Uh, email us, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, we, we really like your uh, feedback. We appreciate that. And it gives us fodder for shows down the line when you suggest things. So talk to us. We like it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means by which conversations could be held? You listen to me, Dustin. You listen good. I'm going to tweet every member of your family. I'm going to find them on Twitter... And I'm going to tweet at them. They are going to read everything I have to say. All 140 characters of it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genre Cast on Twitter at good underscore trash. Hey, any feedback coming in from that Twitter? Well, uh, friend of the show, uh, Nick Samford, uh, included us on his uh, hashtag follow Friday. Cool. Thanks, Nick. So that was pretty cool. Thanks, Nick. He's got more followers than our show does, uh, so that's cool. Um, but really, that's it. Lots of retweets and favorite as every week, and I do really appreciate that, listener. Thank you so much. Uh, please, please keep up the good work on that. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since we've heard from anybody, so uh, let us know what you've got to say. I'd like to hear it. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Well, let's move on, dear co-hosts, and let's play the game. This week's game is our favorite appearances of musicians in cinema. That's right! Favorite appearances of musicians in cinema! Brought to you by The Devil's Rejects. Directed by Robert Zombie. Robert Zombie. He was a musician, and now he makes films. So that's why we're playing this game. He was better at one of them than the other. (laughs) I will let you choose, dear listener. He has to be better one than the other, right? Correct. So, but he's certainly a more prolific musician than he is filmmaker. He's only made like five movies. I w- hmm. now, there, dear listener, I'm not gonna. I'm not even going to venture any thoughts on this question whatsoever. What's better? Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie, White Zombie music, or Rob Zombie, No White Zombie films. Uh, we would like. Wait, to... are we are we including his solo career and his White Zombie? Career? I absolutely. Okay, I, I, I mean, really, uh, really, uh, is there any White Zombie without Rob Zombie? I absolutely I mean, agree. Come on. I absolutely agree. But I would like to hear the dear listeners' feedback if they even care for that conversation. If the dear listener gives us feedback, we will have a conversation about that next week. I but would, moving I, on to this, I would say I've got quite a few White Zombie and Rob Zombie songs on my uh, iPhone. I don't have any Rob Zombie movies on my iPhone. <laughs> well, there may be a hand tipped right there. It bears mentioning, I guess. 
But let's move on to our game, which actually is musicians. This is the case in which musicians are doing the directoral thing. We have musicians who do acting and all kinds of things in cinema. And these are just favorite appearances, uh, either behind or in front of the camera, of musicians in cinema. I ask you first, Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what say you? Well, um, racking my brain, one that I ended up finding out through last week when we watched Hook is that Phil Collins is actually the the police inspector in that first scene in Hook. That's Phil Collins. No way! That's what? why he, yeah. there's like, that's why that cameo feels like a cameo, but you're like, who's this guy? Then you find out it's Phil Collins. It is so. a cameo. That was yep. Phil Collins! Yep. Huh. So, that, oh. that's fun. Um, Susu Studio. One of my <laughs> favorite appearances of music celebrities in film. Um, of course, Ringo Starr in any of the Thomas the Tank Engine original episodes because yes. he did either, he was the voiceover and he was definitely, I think he was the conductor. He was the conductor okay. for a while, yeah. Yeah, so that's always a, a fun, campy old time um, if you want to check those out from your local library. I don't think library. anybody would have ever guessed that Ringo would outlive George and John. Nope. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have ever guessed that. <laughs> it's like Ginger Baker outliving the rest of Cream outside of Clapton. I just, how's that even happen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, Probably one of the most, um, it's not certainly the most famous, definitely not the best example, but one that I always remember is how they finally get Johnny Depp's um, inspiration for his character of Captain Jack Sparrow in The World's End. Uh, he gets Keith Richards to play his dad. I think that's just a perfect piece of, of symmetry yeah. in pop culture that you can't even express it and you might explode from all of the good things happening in, in that that clip there, so. Nice pick. I like those all very much, Miss Bohan. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what are your picks? Uh, I just quickly, just we did the movie recently, a few weeks ago, with Blade Two, and I'd say Chris Christopherson. Yes. As solid as Whistler in those films, and I think he just makes a really good transition out of screen. I'd, I'd like to say Ludacris and Ice Cube, just... Luda! Exactly. I think they do some, just some fun work. Uh, Luda with the fast movies, and Ice Cube just as a Ghetto, stereotyped, gangster, whatever, cop. cop. Uh, he's, he's played it all. No. no, Ice Cube's ever played a cop. Has he not? Ice well, T's played a cop. No, Twenty One Jump Street. Oh shit, Twenty One yeah. Jump Street, and uh, the the one with uh, Kevin Hart. Oh, uh, right along. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, get so off it's me. man, ghetto off me. It's a ghetto off me. <laughs> Ice Cube playing a cop. There's something real fucked up about that. <laughs> Someone sold out. There's man. there's a conversation to be had about that for another day. I don't. I'm, I'm not going to have that conversation, uh, but there's a conversation. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. And lastly, I'd say uh, James Taylor and Dennis Wilson in Tulane Blacktop. The nice. Some of these counterculture cult uh, road trip film, uh, which is just a very uh, interesting film, I think, just culturally and pop culturally talking. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Bell Stewart, what are your picks? Uh, well, my first pick is actually like eight picks because it's the Jim Jarmusch movie Coffee and Cigarettes. Who sunk it? <laughs> uh, you know why? It's got Iggy Pop, Tom Waits, Jack and Meg White, the RZA, and the Jizza, and I think I'm missing a few, honestly. I don't even think that's all the musicians in that movie. I have to think about it, but you're, you're, you've got a lot of them. It's so great, guys. I, me and Dustin, I think, are the only people at this table who have seen coffee and cigarettes all the way through. I know you guys, have, we, we showed you that one selection from it. Oh, yeah. It's such a good movie. It is real good. I, I love that movie. 
But um, Coffee and Cigarettes is great. It has all those great cameos. Uh, the last one doesn't actually feature um, the musician on screen, but it's The Proposition, uh, directed by John Hillcoat, who would go on to uh, make Killing Them Softly. I think he's done a couple other movies. Uh, but it's written uh, by Nick Cave, uh, who, did mm. the, who did the screenplay, and he was also... Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Love me some Nick Cave. Uh, but he also did all the music as well. So Dustin, what are your picks, bud? Well, I think we have to say it just just give mention. I mean, to the sort of obvious pick of Jared Leto, uh, frontman of Thirty Seconds to Mars, who has you know great turn in Dallas Buyers. Do Club. we have to? I, I think he's great. I think he's okay. I think he's great. I think he's great in Dallas Buyers Club. I don't really care for Thirty Seconds to Mars as a band. Oh, I like Thirty Seconds to Mars anyway. But I, I like his his turn in in Fight Club. I like that he's playing the Joker and and what's coming up with the Suicide Squad. I just I like him. I like him a lot. And uh, you know he's got charisma for days, and uh, that that's this happens to. You. Speaking of charisma for days, and somebody I'm happy to see in films, and that's got to be David Bowie. Do you have one really funky sequence space suit, Bowie, or do you have several to changes? Do they smoke grass out in space, Bowie, or do they smoke astroturf? Receiving transmission from David Bowie's nipple antenna. Do you read me, Lieutenant Bowie? I said, do you remember? And I'm not really talking about Labyrinth David Bowie, which is fine. I actually like Labyrinth a lot as part of my childhood. David Bowie as Nikolai Tesla in The Prestige. Hell yes. Yeah, yeah get up off me. It, uh, it's amazing what he does, you know, uh, with that. Uh, I was sub so still thinking about Bowie and Labyrinth. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. Uh, I have to say, I, I'm a huge Black Flag fan. And uh, so my man Henry Rollins shows up in a bunch of movies. Yeah, Henry uh, Rollins in a lot of acting. Does a lot of it. And a lot of like security guards, uh, just tough guys, a random guy in a bar sort of moments. Uh, security guards and prison guards. I specifically have to think about Lost Highway mm-hmm. uh, for a moment. You know why? Because he is so tough. Yes. Oh, he's so tough. He's a bad dude. I mean, he's not really acting. He's doing the Jack Nicholson thing. Yeah. Except for Jack Nicholson's crazy, he can be a leading man. Uh, Peter, Ro- uh, Peter Rollins. Henry Rollins being tough is really just one thing. And so that's fine. Uh, but yeah, love, love, love seeing him. Uh, probably my favorite turn of a, a singer in cinema is Korean pop music sensation... Rain, Rain in Ninja Assassin. Yeah. Because I love Ninja Assassin. Ninja Assassin's great. Uh, judge me, I don't care. It's not no. very good. No. It is so much fun, and I would watch it all the time. And, in fact, I do. It's really good. Yeah, I, I enjoy it very It's not very nearly good. as good as uh, his previous work, Viva Vendetta, the director. Yes. Uh, but it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, like it tons. Dear listener, what are your favorite uh, music or rather cinematic turns of musicians behind or in front of the camera? We'd love to hear that all from you. But enough of that. Let's talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up this week? I am. Um, I finally got around to checking out uh, Rick and Morty. Thank you. Co-created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. Uh, listeners of the this show know I'm a huge fan of Dan Harmon, uh, both just him as an individual and his show community. So uh, I can't believe it's taking me this long to get around to watching Rick and Morty, but I watched the entire first season in about a day and a half. 
Um, it's so funny. It is. It's so weird and so surreal and so goofy and wacky and funny. Um, Justin Roiland voices the main leads, but it's also got uh, Sarah Chalk from Scrubs and Chris Parnell uh, and two other main voice roles. Just go watch it. I've also started watching Togetherness, uh, which is the Duplass Brothers television show, which is on uh, HBO. Uh, it's exactly what you would expect a Duplass Brothers TV show to be. It's basically a mumblecore of the series, uh, but I really like it. It stars uh, Mark Duplass, Melanie Linsky, and Amanda Peet, and again... What do you think a Duplass Brothers TV show would be like? That. Exactly that. Um, but it's really good. Uh, lastly, my favorite film of 2013. Um, if not my favorite, definitely my top three. I can't remember. Uh, Fruitvale Station is now streaming on Netflix. So I know a lot of people um, have expressed interest to me about the film Fruitvale Station uh, who listen to this show. I saw that it was there, yeah. too. I know there's a lot of people who would wish they'd gotten a chance to see Fruitvale Station uh, back when it was first released. So that is now on Netflix. I really recommend you catch up with that. Um, I don't feel like it's a one-timer, as big of a bummer as it is. Uh, I think there's a lot of joy to be found in that film. Um, a, you know, in the first half of the movie. Um, and there's it's a very interesting film. I definitely plan on rewatching it. I added it to my list as soon as I saw that it was streaming on Netflix. So, if you never caught up with Fruitvale, now's the time to do it, listener. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Donald Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up as well? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I finally got to uh, make it to the big big silver screen, and I got to do a catch-up with Ex Machina and Age of Ultron. Ooh, tell me what you thought about both! I think they're both very solid films. I love Ex Machina. It, it's really sleek and polished, and it, it's a nice throwback to a lot of different things. I, I feel like there's a lot of alien going on there. There's a lot of... Um, I also uh, I got uh, hints and feels of Jurassic Park uh, when they first arrive on the very the, odd the this, valley the continent that he must own yeah. or something I, he clear, he uh, owns like a mountain range and a valley because they go through it. mountains and rivers and like there's a jungle I'm pretty sure yeah. and then he's got this little house yeah by himself over bunker. the hills and through the, um, hills, the velociraptor's house we go exactly that's yeah. exactly what it was uh, like I said I think aliens uh, Blade Runner is the other one I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about uh, obviously with the AI and the mm-hmm. what is human what is not and I think there's even a little nod to some Twin Peaks Lynch in there because there's a very interesting dance sequence in a red room that dance scene is awesome I told you you're wasting your time talking to her however you would not be wasting your time if you were dancing with her <laughs> with us. No? You don't like dancing? She does. Come on, buddy. After a long day of Turing test, you gotta unwind. What were you doing with Ava? What? You tore up her picture. I'm gonna tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check it out. I think there's a nice homage going on there. Uh, Age of Ultron I thought was solid. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Wasn't anything new. Uh, but we got some fun characters, some new additions to the team. Mm-hmm. Things happen. I, it, it was what it was. If you were expecting anything different, I think you were probably fooling yourself. Uh, but I think it was just a, a really solid action film. Also, over the past weekend, uh, my mother and I 
uh, we went through and watched Fargo, the FX series. It's so good, right? Oh, it is incredible. Yeah. Martin Martin Freeman and and uh, Billy Bob Thornton are just aces, man. They you are loved incredible. it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so I, glad you caught up with yeah, it. Yeah, we binged it over the weekend, and it was... I don't know that I've seen a better acting performance in a while than Martin Freeman in that show. His his transformation from A to Z yeah. is just... It's brilliant. Well, and the conversation that you know Fargo is having with the you know the prestige drama antihero mm-hmm. and really kind of confronting that oh, type yeah. of character. Oh yeah, yeah, there's some yeah. really cool stuff going on that show. Yeah, and, and it's it's yeah, it was a solid work. I'm excited to see what happens in the future. That was what's your doodle? Um, the main character, real. I mean the the protagonist yeah. of the story. I can't yeah, think yeah. of her name. Molly, Sheriff Molly, something like um, something. Silverson. Yeah, W. Silverson. There we go. Um, I really like that actress a lot. Yeah. This is like her first big yeah. thing, and um, she's got something coming up. But I gotta look it up. But there's something she's about to be, and about I'm pretty it. excited about. Yeah, she's really solid here. I can't wait to see her more stuff. And it's always I like seeing Colin, Colin Hanks. I oh, think yeah. he's a very good actor, and he's been living in the shadow of his dad for a long time. Yeah, um, and hasn't he's, really got a chance. Solid, to. He's solid in uh, Dexter season six. He's, he does a really unique. thing. He's there. really fun, and uh, he's in plays a priest in season two of Mad Men. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And finally, just because last week Alex brought it up. On the hook show, and I wasn't here, but a lot Please. of exciting things have been happening down in NXT and on the WWE with Kevin Owens and and the last uh, NXT Takeover event with uh, the one of the probably the best matches of the year on any promotion with Becky. Uh, oh my goodness, Becky, Becky Lynch, Lynch and uh, Sasha Banks. Uh, I mean, solid work and and probably oh yeah. the match of the night for that show. Top of the card. I mean, women wrestlers. Top of the card. Top of the card. Top of the card. Top of the card. Uh, and also, uh, at the end of that show, uh, big news was Samoa Joe debuting, uh, which was just a really big thing. Now, you see, I've always made it a point to compete in the hottest promotions in the world. And everywhere I looked and everyone who asked told me one thing, Joe, if you want to do what you want to do, if you want to be with the very best and the most hungry and the most vicious violent, and excellent pro wrestlers in the world, then you come to NXT. Yeah. So there's some fun things happening there, but that's all I've got for you this week. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, are you fired up this week? Yeah, I am. Um, So Netflix is getting some... Well, Netflix always has good stuff, but they're increasingly getting more good stuff. Um, I'm finally getting... Um, on watching Garfunkel and Oates, which is... How is that? It is fantastic. I like Garfunkel and Oates. I haven't watched their show, If you like the music of Garfunkel and Oates, which is a comedy folk singer-songwriter duo that got their big break on YouTube, um, do not listen without headphones because most of their songs are delightfully and intelligently um, vulgar. So <laughs> they don't swear, but there are a lot of dirty themes discussed. Um, yeah, so... Accidental go-kart masturbation. That is a song. Is it? Yes. Is um, it actually a thing? There's That's also... Lo- uh, well, yes. Uh, I could go into some of their songs, but they're really good. So the show is basically in tr- spirit of the thing about them as a... F- female singer-songwriter comedy duo that, you know, touring all the shenanigans they get up to. And then in the middle, they have a full-length music, like, musical interlude of an original song, which is, they're really great and well-produced and everything. So um, I look up to them a lot as female comedians, and that's fantastic. 
I also this weekend was introduced to Steven Universe, which is a show produced by one of the creators of Adventure Time. So uh, Steven Universe is a really, really great uh, new uh, Cartoon Network um, original cartoon. I think it's in its first or second season. Um, yeah, if you like Adventure Time, you'll love Steven Universe. It's got a lot of the same feel. Kind of, It kind of gets on that border, just like Adventure Time and regular show do, of being like, this could be on Adult Swim, and it could also just be on regular programming of Cartoon Network. Um, really intelligent, yeah. and it's um, kind of got some like uh, adult things and themes in it, which is why uh, you'll, you'll like it so much. And it's just a really great, intelligent show. Uh, I haven't seen much of it, but it's apparently on Hulu. Apparently Hulu now has a, almost every show of Cartoon Networks yeah. you can ever think of, ever. Oh, yeah. Like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Um, let's, they have the rest of Samurai Jack. Netflix has the first season. I, never I'm more. almost certain they do. They have all the Ben 10 iterations. Um, any of the animes Samurai they've Jack, had, Squibblies, I think, it, Adult Swim stuff. I'm almost certain Samurai Jack's on there, so right. you should check it out. That reminds me that Hulu is getting the entire run of Seinfeld in June. Yeah. I'm Whole excited thing. about that. Th- that's pretty relevant considering I just watched the Seinfeld Vision episode of 30 Rock uh, yesterday. <laughs> nice. Uh, I watched yeah. a lot of 30 Rock lately. Yeah. yeah. Well, whenever I get on a show, I have to con- I have to finish it. I'm really I don't I don't have like that. I have to do one thing and do it. So that's why I'm, I'm on season six of Gilmore Girls right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's that wasn't been, very it's, long ago you started. That's yeah. Okay. Well, it's well because that's the only show I've been watching. That's why a lot of my TV forays have not been anything besides Gilmore Girls. Anyway, um. So oh, I'm another thing I. Bes- Besides the wrestling I watched this weekend, I also saw Mad Max. Oh, it's so good! It is so good. So good. <laughs> so good. Seriously. So good. Um, feminist <sighs> stamp of approval. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, I feel like so much has been lost in that conversation because that is a conversation we had. But barring that, it's just so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. it is a cool movie. Yeah. Um, it is. Oh, yeah. It's an action film. It never. It never stops. The brakes are never on. There's a guy on a war hog truck machine who's playing a guitar that flames shoot out of the, the, the end of the, the guitar. And huh. he's playing their battle hymn as they go in. And it's metal and they have a drum. Oh, it's just... It's a spectacle, but it's enjoyable. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the yeah, Lord. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and That's it's... Something. Like the metal version. And it's so cool. I mean, it's so cool that Charlize Theron's uh, Furina? Furiosa. Furiosa. I knew it was... Furiosa. I know. I know. Not Furiosa. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. um, Furiosa, she's definitely the main character because she's the character we learned. She's definitely the protagonist in a lot of ways. That's so cool. Although, Tom Hardy does still kick six different flavors of ass in that movie. Yes, he does. How many flavors are there? To kick? Um, Tutti Fruity is one of them. Tutti Fruity is one of them. I think yeah. that is correct. Yep. Excellent. So that's about all I got for my fireness. What okay. about you, handsome? I've only got one thing. Um, I'm sometimes slow to catch up with the things that come out in cinemas because I have a life and busy and children and just all that. But me and the boys and the wife sat down this last weekend, and I finally saw Do Not Mock or Make Fun oh, okay. of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's and, okay. I haven't seen it either yet. Okay. Well, so, so there you go. I gotta say... 
That movie's lots of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I mean, I know I'm like... I can't late. believe it took you a year to do it, I'm, but... Well, you know, I'm like a busy party, man. but it was... I mean, I mean, how how much time am I going to spend on comic book movies? I mean, I'm just going to say. Because there's just so much of that going on right now. But uh, loads of fun, loads of awesome. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and uh, the soundtrack is pretty fantastic. And we are all Groot, and my <laughs> eight-year-old wept beside oh, me yeah. as uh, we wept together uh, watching uh, that particular conclusion of the film. So that's all I've got that I'm fired up about this week. Uh, thank you very much uh, for all of that fired up in us, dear listener. We'd love to hear what you're fired up uh, about. Next week, we're going to watch Galaxy Quest, and we are really, really looking forward to this um, particular Star Trek send-up, and we'd love to hear your pre-thoughts about that. And then you can listen to our post-thoughts next week when it posts. In the meantime, take a look at a movie. Have a great time with people you care about. Listeners who are paying attention know that we were already going to watch Galaxy Quest uh, back in... Um, March forever ago. A while back. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then we never got around to that. So we are finally getting around to that. There you go. And uh, so we will do that. Get around to something else. Have a great conversation. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.